Welcome to Podagog, a podcast for performers, brought to you by Find Your Light, holistic consulting for performing artists. I'm your host, Dan Kitzman. Hello again. Hi. It is so nice to be with you again, everybody. Um, my name is Dan. For those of you just joining us, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming to the show today. Um, I've got a really exciting topic today. Um, that's a continuation of our self-care series. So uh, I'm really excited to get into it. But before I do, I just want to talk a little bit about um, some stuff from the last episode. So first and foremost, uh, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to the previous episode uh, in the series here, go ahead and do that. I would love to invite you to do that um, because it's it's uh, it's important too. <laughs> um, I like to think that everything we're going to talk about is somehow important somewhere along the line, but um, that one is is pretty important. Um, it's all about nesting and, you know, to get a bit of a deeper understanding of just exactly what I'm talking about with that, I would invite you to listen back if you have not, as I said, um, I'd like to clarify one thing that I said last time. I've been thinking a lot about it since, um, I recorded it and I just want to kind of put a little clarification out there. Um, when we were talking about nesting and doing things for ourselves in order to nest ourselves, um, I said something along the lines of we aren't always good at doing things selfishly for ourselves or we're not always good at being selfish. Um, and I just want to put a bit of a caveat on that. So for me, and I get that I'm parsing syntax here, but for me, there is a difference between acting selfishly and performing a selfish act. So acting selfishly for me has a rather, uh, I guess, negative connotation. It's it's the idea of bowing too heavily toward the id. Um, so if you're familiar with like the id, ego, super ego, id is the basically like the child brain. So everything revolves around us and the things that we want are the only things that exist. So it's that mode where we act selfishly in a negative or a self-serving kind of way. Like when you, you know, see somebody who uh, cuts aggressively in line or um, argues with a store clerk over like a price difference that, you know, I thought it was this price and you're telling me it's a dollar more and like gets in this huge argument or just generally things that we feel kind of impede on our money and time because we, we have such high uh, quantifiable values on those things. Um, that's generally where we see people acting selfishly and where we can act selfishly in a in a negative way the other side of that is to perform 
healing positive selfish acts, which are radical acts of self-love, i.e. naming what it is that we need in order to feel safe and putting those needs first before we attend to anything else or anyone else. Those are the kinds of selfish things that I'm saying we don't tend to be very good at just as a whole because we're taught not to be, right? We're taught that those two frameworks are one and the same, acting selfishly and performing selfish acts. So I just wanted to make that clarification. Um, I I don't know if that necessarily stood out to anybody but me, but um, I thought I'd address it regardless just because I want to. And it's my show, so damn it, I'll do it. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to get used to. Like, oh, I, I'm the one making this. Like, I have literally total control. It's very strange. I've not done anything quite like this before, so it's it's just it's a fun little learning curve. Anyway, um, I'm really curious how the nesting went. Uh, I've talked with several people who've listened to the episode now. Um, and it's been super exciting to get their feedback and, and kind of just get a little bit of a sense of their understanding of, of nesting and what it can mean for them. And, um, I've had several people tell me, you know, I realized that, um, I've done this or my, my, uh, partner or my spouse does this or did this when we first started living together or things like that. And it's been really cool to talk to people about that, you know, to, kind of see the recognition that happens around nesting it's just it's it's great to bring that up and bring that into our consciousness because it it sort of reinvigorates those things that we do naturally and are unaware that we even do and that's cool because that kind of reflection ties perfectly into what I want to talk about today which is mindfulness. So let's talk about that because this this is another one of those buzzwords that um, has sort of exploded and it's like the word organic. You know, it, it, there's like, you see it everywhere as part of marketing strategies, as part of, um, you know, different different ways to get people to do things or buy certain things, whatever. And it's almost like there's such an oversaturation to a point of what does it actually mean? So I want to talk a little bit about what this term means for me. Um, because I like to get into the nitty gritty of that sort of stuff. <laughs> and and break it apart and see, see what's really going on, you know. So mindfulness is something it seems to really have taken off everywhere in our social consciousness over, I would say, probably the last decade, um, really heavily the last, probably at least the, I think decades, fair to say, maybe definitely earlier than that too. It's been around, but I feel like once we got into the thousands and the tens specifically, we're, we were like, woo. Mindfulness, that's a thing. Um, I like to think about the whys (laughs) of things like that. And I think because (laughs) mindfulness to me is is kind of contrary 
to what our social norms are. And like any good piece of counterculture, it was and still is completely contrary to one of our most prized societal values, and that is time and money and the connection that we have between the two. Primarily the fact that time is money and we can't afford to lose a second of it, right? So mindfulness really kind of flies in the face of that because we are really, I want to say cultivated, but that's the wrong word. We're really groomed to believe that anything that's not directly related to earning our paycheck or making money or getting to our destinations in like the, in the quickest and most efficient way, somehow that gets deemed as unimportant and counterproductive, but is also completely demonized. And uh, just, I, I'm sure someday we'll have a whole episode about the demonization of counterculture um, and specifically how things like this make their way into what I call the gay zone. Um, like things that become associated with deviant culture, we call them gay. And like mindfulness could totally fall into that like queer thing. I don't know. It's a, it's a really fun thing to talk about. It's not for today. I'm, I'm digressing. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I, I get really excited about things sometimes. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I think I'm so excited about this particular topic that I'm going to deviate slightly today, but you know, it's okay. It's all right. So yeah, um, mindfulness flies in the face of that particular societal value because it's about the opposite of getting there quickly. It's about pausing. It's about seeing. It's about observing. It's about being with yourself. Um, so it's it's counterculture. And I think that's probably why it's, you know, so popular. We like to be rebels. What can I say? So like so many of us, probably so many of us listening, um, I, I personally practice and always recommend others practice some kind of mindfulness in everything they do especially artistically. Um, and we'll get into a little bit of the whys and wherefores around that too. But yeah, that's that's kind of my, my introduction of sorts. So let's just get into it. I really would love to spend a pretty good amount of time today talking about what mindfulness actually is. Because I think we can really get caught up in the weeds on this one um, pretty quickly because, you know, we hear the word and we're automatically associating with what we see in the media, what we see in our um, uh, local grocery store when you go to the, the, the mind and body balance section or when you go, you know, to... Uh, uh, Heck, I mean, even go into the app store and, you know, you see like top 10 mindfulness apps, you know, like all kinds of stuff is geared toward this vision of what mindfulness should be. And the reality is, no, mindfulness does not have to be, you know, 
owning a, a yoga studio in Vermont and communing with tree spirits out there. You know, which, to be fair, that absolutely is mindful. <laughs> and if you've never done that, you should because it's incredible. But, you know, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be extreme. You know, we, we, we're so good as a society at taking things too far <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I think that's one of the ways that we've taken something too far. We've taken the idea that mindfulness, the only way to achieve it is to be like all the way to the end of the sliding scale with it. And that's just not real. Mindfulness can simply be taking a moment, no longer than a breath cycle, to just notice what's there. That's all it is. It's about being in the present and seeing what's around you and taking stock. Seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling, tasting, whatever senses are available to you, mindfulness is about being with those senses, being in your body. You know, it's it's fascinating to me. The, the word is brain-centric because it has the word mind in it. But mind to me is indicative of a more body relationship than it is a brain one. So it's, it's a more spiritual practice because it's getting at this spiritual kinesthetic side of the brain, not so much the actual brain chemistry. Because again, I, we're parsing language here, but that's what I do. Um, mind versus brain. Brain being the thing that processes all of our functions. Mind being the soul component to brain. The one that includes our emotional selves, our psychic selves, our, you know, all of these other parts of us that are not related to logistical processing. I just, I always feel like we get caught up in what these kinds of practices look like or what they sound like or you know or how we're doing them trying to compare them to something rather than just seeing what's there for us being present for your life that's what mindfulness is is being present for your own life right and this is something we're just inherently uncomfortable with because we've been trained to idealize something that is not only opposite of that, but something that doesn't exist. And that something is multitasking. So the lie that we tell ourselves on a daily basis is that we can multitask. We have this fantasy that our brains are able to process multiple tasks at one time. That there's somehow different parts of our brain that are working simultaneously together to split our, maybe our actions, but definitely thoughts and actions. It's just not true. That's not a thing. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> it's just not real. We we love to tell ourselves that it is, but it's not. Y your brain, my brain, our brains, the way that they work is a cycle of extremely fast, like lightning fast functions and processing of functions. But they do them sequentially. 
it's in an order. You are never actually working on two things at the same time. Everything is ordered. Everything is chronological in the brain. Everything is linear in the brain, right? So never are you doing two things at once. It's a constant flipping back and forth between the two things. It just looks and feels like it's being done at the same time. So again, this is something that mindfulness flies in the face of because we are taught that multitasking is the way to succeed. Multitasking is the way to what? Say it all together. Let's say it from the back of the pew. Make money. Make time. Be efficient. Be productive, right? All of these things that we value as the quote-unquote self-made man, to use the, the term itself, and that's just not what mindfulness is. Let's talk about what mindfulness can be, right? Mindfulness can be a lot of things. It can be a moment where you just sit down and breathe without your phone, without a device of any kind, without music, without a TV playing, without a book, without a distraction. You just sit and you breathe. This podcast, listening to this podcast right now, could be an act of mindfulness if you choose to make it so. And I'm going to invite you into a moment of mindfulness with me right now, should you choose to take it up. If you do, here's what we're going to do. Go ahead, and if you're doing anything else, just pause. Put down whatever you have in your hands, and you can stand or sit, it does not matter. But just pause. Right? Take a second to only focus on these words in this moment and breathe normally. No crazy breathing needs to happen. Just feel your breath inside of you, right? And as you're breathing normally, take a look around you. See where you are. What space are you inhabiting right now? What space are you taking up? What is it like? Are you indoors? Are you outdoors? What's it like outside if you're inside? Or vice versa, what's it like inside if you're outside? Is there anybody else with you? Person or animal or otherwise? Right, just take in your surroundings. And start to notice how you feel. Is there anything coming up for you? Now that you've stopped absolutely everything else and are just taking stock of what's here, how does that make you feel? Does it make you think of anything? Is there anything that comes to mind? Congratulations, you've just practiced mindfulness, <laughs> right? It's not that hard. It's not that serious. It's just taking a moment to be in the present, nowhere else, 
nowhere else. Not in the future, not in the past. Those two things do not exist. The only thing that exists is the present. So that's what mindfulness can be. It can be a beautiful hour-long yoga session. Sure. It can be a beautiful multi-hour meditation with, you know, singing bowls and, and bells and chimes and wonderful scents and things like that. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be. Mindfulness can be simple. Mindfulness can be very unobtrusive to our lives. Mindfulness can be something that works its way into even just a moment. You know, you can take a mindful breath. When you stop what you're doing mentally and you just breathe in and exhale and you focus on that breath pattern, you are practicing mindfulness in that moment. Right? So those are the things that mindfulness is in my book. Here's what mindfulness is not. Because it's just as important to understand what it does not constitute as what it does. So, first and foremost, mindfulness is not a requirement. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that we get from the mass marketing of mindful, mindful, mindful. You do not have to be a mindful human. Do I recommend that? Of course not. However, this is not something that you have to do in order to obtain your human being status. You know, that's not, that's not how this works. You do not have to be mindful. You don't have to practice mindfulness. It's okay. It's okay. Mindfulness is not something you can practice at every moment of your life without fail. That's not reality. We will absolutely slip out of places of mindfulness. 100%. Because we're humans. We have things to do. We have responsibilities. Can we do our responsibilities mindfully? Of course we can. Are we going to remember to do that all the time? Absolutely not. Is that okay? You better believe it. In that vein, mindfulness is not something to feel guilt around. Oh, fuck, I forgot to be mindful about that one thing that I do all the time. Okay. Take a mindful moment afterwards to reflect on the fact that you were mindful in doing that. <laughs> you know, it again, it, it's not this huge thing. It's just a matter of being with yourself. Mindfulness is not a chore. It's not something that you can put on a sticker chart. It's not something that you know, it's not something that, you know, you do in order to fill a quotient, you know, mindfulness is a practice, right? It's a practice that's fluid, that changes with the day, with the moment, of course, person to person, only you can be the judge of when it will be sufficient to practice your mindfulness. You know, when when that needs to happen. 
And finally, mindfulness is not something you can win at. I, I see this a lot um, with folks who are really, uh, how do I say this? Really convicted to be mindful and try to think their way into it. Forgetting that mindfulness is about taking that element out. Um, so it's not something you can win. You know, it's not a medal you can achieve. It's not something, it's not a competition in any way, right? This isn't something you do better than someone else. This is not something that somebody else can really even tell you how to do, you know? I'm not telling you how to do it here. I'm giving you suggestions based on what I know works for me. But that's what works for me. You have to explore what works for you, right? So those are the things that mindfulness isn't. Um, at least, you know, a pretty broad sense of the word, right? Why in the world is this important? Well, let's see. It's just, you know, everything. <laughs> it's all the things. First and foremost, at least for me, mindfulness allows us to name and see our own armor. So, we are always clad in our finest, shiniest armor every day. Armor for me is the stuff that you have to wear to protect yourself from the outside world. To put up a barrier between your true soft and fleshy self and the harsh, unforgiving, judgmental world ready to tear that apart, right? Mindfulness is a way to see exactly what piece of armor we put on every day, right? And the order in which we do it, how heavy it is, how thick it is, um, how robust it is, how well it will stand up to whatever kind of attack gets thrown at it. Mindfulness is a way to say, I see me in my natural open state and I see what I'm doing to prepare to go outside into the world. How are the two different? How do they feel together? What kind of things come up for you in that moment as you're recognizing who and what you are, right? Mindfulness also gives us some control over our emotional triggers. This is uh, very near and dear to me at this moment in time um, because it's something that keeps coming up in different ways in my life. So I have worked through and continue to work through my own kind of emotional triggers, right? The ones that I don't realize are happening, <laughs> mostly. Somebody will say something, especially somebody close to me, will say something or do something, and my response is somehow defensive. Um, I've, I've, you know, I, that still happens to me. Even after doing all of this work that I've done and continue to do, it still happens. And I am so blessed to have people in my life 
who will recognize that for me and say, oh, it's happening. And, you know, give me a chance to step back and say, whoa, let's take a moment and see what happened here, right? I just want to take a second to say triggers are an interesting thing. Some of them are, of course, brought on by some sort of trauma in our past. Um, But triggers are effectively walls to me because they are extreme emotional responses that wall off, that block off any other kind of, I, I, I guess, emotional response right? Um, They overtake a body and allow us to be swept away with our brains, to be swept up into that fight or flight, to be swept up into something that, you know, is, I don't know, just not as important as we seem to think it is. It's less the trigger itself and more our reaction to ourselves in the triggering situation that explodes on us. Um, And mindfulness is a great way to combat that, right? Because whenever our brains get hyperbolic on us, we've got tools like mindfulness to sort of rein them back in. Be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is extreme and you know it. That's not what's happening. That's not what's real. Calm down. Mindfulness is a way to practice working through our emotional triggers as well. Mindfulness allows us to get in touch with the quietest parts of ourselves, right? The ones that can be so easily overwhelmed by the noise that we deal with day in and day out in the outside world, right? Um, In that vein, it allows us to really see exactly what it is we need without diluting ourselves with some kind of cover, you know? Um, There is no, there's no hiding spot when it, when it comes to you. (laughs) Um, And mindfulness allows us to kind of clear away all the cobwebs, you know, dust everything up, suck it up with that Hoover back. And see what's really there. See what is there in terms of our own needs, our own wants, our desires, things like that. Um, Mindfulness gives us a chance to practice grounding or rooting, which if you don't know what those two things are, I might do an episode on them because they're really important. They're ways to connect with the earth energetically as well as physically. Um, It's just, yeah, grounding is such an important process. Um, And like I said last time, you know, there are objects that can be um, heavy conductors for certain things. Well, in this case, the, the conductor is not so much an object, more a state of being. To that that's what ramps up everything, right? It is that state of being um, to make your grounding experience more more open and positive. But most importantly, ground sorry, mindfulness allows us to open up to things that are outside of our own immediate purview, 
that are outside of our sphere. And it keeps us curious, it keeps us understanding, and it keeps us open to all the possibilities that the world has to offer. So let's talk about why we're talking about it. (laughs) Why are we talking about this as artists? Again, it may be extremely apparent to you. If it's not, here it is for me. Our job is to forever be in the present moment. Even though we might be dealing with an art form that was born or is talking heavily about the past, or an art that's way ahead of its time and deals only with the future, it doesn't matter because we are always bringing those elements into this present moment. I said it before, past and present, past and future do not exist. They don't exist. They are things that are not existent in our world because the only thing that exists is the present. The only thing that exists is the now. What exists in the past and the future are remnants, be they uncovered remnants or potential remnants, right? The ones that are as of yet unexplored by anything other than the imagination. I was saying before that our brains are super linear things. Art is not, (laughs) right? Art is not a linear process. It's nonlinear, it's circular, it's multi, multi-planar, it's, it's omnidimensional, it's spiritual, it's abstract, it's all of these things all at the same time. Those are the kinds of things that our brain hears and is like, I don't understand, does not compute, is not safe, let's get it out of here, right? So they're, they're the things our brains don't really like to understand or to acknowledge, So it's our job to sort of teach our brains those constructs, right? Being mindful is a great way to teach those constructs, especially when it's outside of the purview of what the brain is really capable of. That's huge. It needs that help, that that lifting to do that. So here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to find your way of practicing mindfulness, period. That's it. That is the challenge because this is a highly individual act. You may hate the way that I meditate. That's fine. It's okay, right? You want to take that active moment for yourself and say, all right, in this moment, I am choosing to take in what is currently here and see it for exactly what it is and then move on knowing that I'm just part of the overall tapestry, right? That you pull a a thread somewhere and something comes up. Um, This is the thread we're pulling today. We're pulling the mindfulness thread to see what's there, to see what we can help. Uh, accomplish and achieve by being with ourselves, right? So just work extra, extra hard to preserve any kind of judgment you might have on yourself. 
because if this is something you're unfamiliar with, you're not used to doing, it's going to feel silly and weird at first. That's normal. Or if you are used to doing it and realize one day that, oh, you're not doing it, you're going to fuck up. It's okay. It's okay. The imp- I guess the import of mindfulness doesn't go away if you fuck up. It's okay. And then reflect. Reflect on that practice. What is coming up for you? Nothing is too small, right? No emotional response to any of this is too small to be noticed, right? You don't want to overlook anything because, again, we're working with the quiet inner parts of ourselves. They're going to speak softly and subtly, especially if we're not used to listening to them. So don't give up um, if you accidentally fuck something up. It's going to happen. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Well, that's what I got for you today. I think I am done for now. Um, thank you again for joining us on uh, our lovely little show that we've got going on here. If you have questions, as always, feel free to reach out. Find your light services at gmail.com. Go ahead and follow the link in our bio here to uh, take a gander at the website. Um, see what's there. See what comes up. Right? Um I think that's everything. Yeah. At least that I can think of. All right, my dears. Thank you for spending this time with me. Um, Thanks for letting me, you know, go on my adventures. Um, Yeah. I will see you right here. Same place, same time. Next week. All right. Until then, have a lovely, lovely weekend. Um... And I'll talk to you soon. All right, my dears. Love you bunches. Bye-bye. Podagog is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Dan Kitzman. Our theme music is Spring Rain, brought to you by Icons8.com. Check them out for some great royalty-free music. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you here again next week. Bye-bye.